He's here in the sleekest, sexiest lines American engineers could come up with. Well, just the name itself bespeaks power and wealth. Dodge. That about says it all. Ron and Anian. I, as a mechanic, and a lot of mechanics as mechanics, take their job very seriously. It's our responsibility to keep you safe. All I wanted was a car. The Car Doctor. I get it. A lot of people say, oh, mechanics just want to make money. You know what? If this was about making money, I would have stopped fixing cars 35 years ago. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Once again, this hour, we're brought to you by the nice folks at Generac Generators, because uh, that's what we're operating on. Um, no kidding. If uh, all of a sudden during this hour you hear... That means that the generator died, uh, which we're hoping it doesn't, because uh, since the uh, storm, the, the northeast blizzard that uh, affected so much of the tri-state region here um, recently, that uh, we don't have electricity because um, I guess we pay Orange and Rockland too much money that, uh, I don't know, they don't know what to do with it all. They haven't taken it out to fixing repair crews to sending them out to whatever. We're on generator. Um, take it for what it's worth. So uh, we hope we're still here for this whole hour. We made it through the last hour pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, I can... Uh, I can hopefully that we'll be here for this whole hour. So, um, 855-560-9900. There's a bunch of things I want to talk about, but you know what? There's phone calls up. Let's take the phone calls while we can. Get them while they can, as the saying goes. Let's go over and talk to Rick in Great Bend, Kansas, 06 Toyota Tundra, and uh, some questions about fuel system. Rick, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hello, Ron. I'm glad to be on your show today. Thank you, sir. Glad to have you. What's like cooking? I said, I, well, I've been listening to you probably, believe it or not, for over 20 years now. I mean, it was the late 90s since I've been listening to you on the radio and now podcasting. And that's going uh, to tell both of us that I really value your answers. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So uh, uh, today I'd, I'd like to ask you a question about uh, electronic throttle body uh, by wire systems, you know. Okay. Uh, now, if uh, you uh, would have a bad sensor input for, you know, computer problems or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, what uh, association can you see with unattended acceleration on that, Ron? Well, uh, you know, I think I think we've got to establish some ground rules here. What kind of vehicle are we talking about? Well, I have an 06 Toyota Tundra, but I'm I'm just thinking in general across the board. It's what okay. I'm really thinking of. I I find it really hard to buy unintended acceleration, to be honest with you, Rick, because there's there's so many safeguards in the system. All right, um, you know, I look at the reports. I read the reports about the fatalities with the Toyotas and the floor mats, and we'll talk about Toyotas. I think it's on everybody's mind still, even to this day. And it always, you know, we actually did an experiment at the shop where, you know, we would two-foot the gas. We would one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and drive the car forward like unintended acceleration, panic stop, trying to hold the car back. And, yes, the, the engine was strong enough that it could overcome the braking system. So all we did was we, we turned off the key and the car stopped. And I always wondered why people never did that. I don't, 
I don't understand that. Or we actually threw the car in neutral, and the car stopped. The engine went up to its rev limit, 4,200 RPM. It just sat there and free revved, wah, 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 and the car stopped. So I, I noticed they never talk about that. And I always wonder, is the media afraid to talk about a logical, common-sense approach, what I think is a logical, common-sense approach on how to deal with alleged unintended acceleration because it doesn't sell advertising time or it doesn't sell airtime. I don't know. I think there's too much redundancy in the systems. For example, you know, at the throttle body, okay, there are two sensors. There's throttle position sensor one. There's throttle position sensor two. One reads zero to five volts. The other one reads five volts to zero. The same thing is at the accelerator pedal, all right, which we used to call a gas pedal. There's throttle, there's accelerator pedal position sensor one, accelerator pedal position sensor two. They read opposite of each other. The computer tracks those. If one of those four, if one of those four is not where it's supposed to be based on programming, it sets a fault code and puts the car in limp in. And I think that's a pretty fair statement across the board, regardless of manufacturer. And... You know, I, I read the reports about unintended acceleration, and I, I can't imagine where it's coming from. It's got to be a true glitch. You know, and if you notice, we haven't, knock wood, heard too much about unintended acceleration in the last couple of months. It's been a while, probably a year or so since I remember seeing it in the news, and I wonder why it died off. You know, it kind of made me wonder about it and think, you know, what, what what's so different? Um, but those, to me, those would be the critical ones. Uh, you know, as far as that, I think most of unintended acceleration happens because people aren't aware of, and I think this is a common fact, uh, that, you know, where your feet are. I think people are confused easily. I think, you know, passenger compartments have changed a lot in that, you know, big feet, little pedals, and, you know, we don't have that, we're not as spread out inside the uh, cabin anymore as we once were. And what we think is the brake pedal or is the gas pedal is, you know, vice versa, and we're confused. Um, why? Do you have an unintended acceleration issue with your Toyota? No. I, I, just, I, just, I just really wanted to hear what you had to say about it. Well, yeah. I really did. I, 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 like I said, I valued your answer. I've been listening to you for 20 years, and I'm not kidding you. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got mechanics in my family. I never have been a professional mechanic, but I'm in the trade. I, I look at you as a person of knowledge. I listen to you every week now on podcast. I just I just wanted to hear what you had to say about yeah. it. I really wanted to get into your brain and what, what you really think about that. I, and, I, and you're right about things you're saying. You're 100% right. I, I agree with you. You know, is it possible that in the millions of cars that are on the road today, there's going to be one with a computer that hiccups and unintended accelerates the vehicle? Boy, you would think, right? Like, what are the odds? It's it's kind of like answering the question, what are the odds that this is the only planet in the universe where there's sustainable life, that there isn't any other place in, 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 the, in the galaxy, in the universe that could sustain life? But, you know, we haven't found it, so what are the odds? You know, what are the odds that there's a car out there with a bad computer that, that, that won't do unintended acceleration? But we don't seem to be hearing about it. And you notice, you don't hear about it in volume. You don't hear about it. It's not like lately we've heard one or two or three, but they all seem to go away. I'll tell you what's really amazing to me, all right? I go back to the Audi debacle 20 years ago, 
Right. You know, when, when Audi stood for another underpowered demonic invention because of their unintended acceleration, right? Remember that way back in the... Yeah, uh, in, I'm, I'm about your age, Ron. I'm, yeah. I'm about a year or two younger yeah. than you, and that's another reason. I, I, I don't know, just something about you that intrigues me, honestly. Yeah, and I, like I said, 20 years of listening to you, I value your, again, I value your answers. I mean, there were Audis that were driving through brick walls. And yep, garage doors. I remember doors. that. Remember that, right? Yes, I do. And and, and, and just like you just then just stated the thing you were saying it that and yet I'm going to be honest with you today. I'm I'm not going to say it because this is your show. I'm not going to say what I really feel, but I I do know one thing. I I I, I want to tell you right now. My vote for autonomous cars is negative. I'm I'm, I'm against them, but I, I think you know where I'm going. I yeah. think you know how I feel, but I value you, and I wanted to hear what you had to say. About I'll tell you, it. and I'll because tell you what, Rick, Rick. Let me correct you on two things. Number one, it's not my show; it's your show. Well, right? it's our show then. It's our show. All right, we can talk about anything we want to talk about here within the confines of Family Radio. Okay. But and I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. Autonomous scar, uh, autonomous cars. Maybe it is scars. Maybe that's a Freudian slip. You know, autonomous scar. scar there, I do it again. Cars scare the bejesus out of me. They do me. All right, because and here's the simple reason why. You know what scares me the most is that thing is going to break. And you know what? I hate to knock my industry, but there aren't enough qualified technicians in the industry to service the cars we've got on the road today. Half I the, agree. Half the guys can't spell OBD. All I right? agree. And and now we're going to put something like Star Trek in their garage I, and say, here, fix it? I agree. You know what? That's the, why I'm calling you. The gyms are going to go out of business if we ever get autonomous cars. Because I'm afraid of. Every, a lot of things I'm afraid of. Just, I, I listen to you, and like I said, again, the things you say make so much sense to me. I mean, I, I this may sound crazy, but... I, my life almost revolves around listening to your podcast as crazy as this sounds. Well, because does... I'm just, I, I, I listen to you, and I, I don't know. If you, you do something for me, it's the way you talk to people, the way you treat people on the radio, the way you say things, the, the sense you make. Even when your, your poor uncle died here last year, I thought to myself, you know what? I enjoyed listening to him every year. You yeah. had such a good uncle. Yeah. Came on, you would have that program just about your uncle, and I thought to myself, that is a show that I recommend everybody to listen to your show. You know, Uncle Steve was one of a kind. I just got a comment on that. We were watching Saving Private Ryan last night, and at the end of Private Ryan, where they're on the bridge and Tom Hanks is sitting there dying in character, and the P fifty one comes along and drops the bomb on the tank. Remember that scene? And I turned to Susie last night, and I go, that's Uncle Steve, right? I mean, you could see it. Here comes the P-51. And Uncle Steve would have been there dropping the bomb on the tank, smiling at it both, you know, ear to ear. So, um, you know. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the conversation. You uh, you call back anytime. 855-560-9900. Ron and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We're uh, here. You know, before we go to the next call, by the way, there's there, there's hope in the automotive world. Recent article, the VW Beetle successor not happening, says research and development boss. Rumors about the Volkswagen Beetle's possible device have been swirling around the Internet for a few years, and it's now pretty much a certainty this article talks about. An interview with Autocar. 
at the ongoing Geneva Motor Show. Motor Show. The company's R&D chief, Frank Wells, confirmed the bug will drive off into the sunset after this generation with no replacement in sight. Oh, uh, can I get an amen and a hallelujah? Let's go over and talk to, uh, eh, you know, come on, the Beatles kind of tired. Let's let's move on to something else. Let's go talk to Mick in Oregon. How's my Jeep, Mick? Hey, hey, Ron. Good. I just wanted to give you an update. Uh, I tracked it down. It was the fuel pump. Okay. Put a, put a new fuel pump in it, and it, uh, it was running good. Now, it just, back, it, back it up a minute. This originally started with vehicle speed sensor fault, right? Correct. And then we got into it. How did we get into it? And that's the part I was, I mean, listen, you know, you can wake up tomorrow and have the problem. I mean, you know, it can be problem A on Monday and problem B on Tuesday. But but how did this all transpire? Can you can you go back now, looking back over the timeline and thinking about it? How did this, how do you think this went down? I think it went down as I had that vehicle or vehicle speed sensor fault and fixed it and at the just uh a coincidence had a fuel pump failure yeah and which kind of threw me off or threw us off and and then not till we you know step step back and look at it from a whole new like a whole new problem is, is when we figured it out yeah. did you did you did you learn something about procedure from this yeah absolutely yeah um, Absolutely. You, you know, I, I, I say it to people all the time. There's no point in getting aggravated because you're still going to end up having to fix the car. So just think about it and fix the car and just, you know, it's it's hard. Listen, I was talking about it in the last hour. My my Ranger had a hard start, a long crank time, and I'm going, it can't be the fuel pump. There's no way it can be the fuel pump. The fuel pump was put in new 14 years ago, which is only 50,000 miles ago. I'm going, how can a motorcraft pump go bad in 50,000 miles? You know what? I put a... Fuel pressure gauge on it after hemming and hawing for two or three weeks, and sure enough, it was a bad fuel pump. I mean, it happens. You you you, yeah. you you get in your mind, and you get emotional, and you stop being logical. And it's, you know, you got to go through and step by step. And it's, you know, it's, it's 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 what I say. I, I mean it when I say it. There there are boards up at the shop that people look at them. They're little pegboards, and they've got specific tools on them that we don't use anymore. There's a timing light, and there might be a fuel pressure gauge that's old and beat up. And, you know, we look up there, and we go, did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Um, we actually, going back, Chris and I, and, and, and Chris has been gone a while now, um, but Chris and I developed a piece of paper. I think we've got a checklist of the possible things that could be wrong with your car. The last time I looked, I think it was 118 different things to test and possible scenarios, and we haven't updated that list in five years. It would be fun to go back and look at that. And it's it's everything that could be, you know, the things you could test because people will come in and say, well, what could it be? One of these 118 things. <laughs> you know, where, where, where do you want me to start? And let me know. I'll call you when I'm done. Um, so, right. But I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad it worked for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, thanks you put, for your help. Did you did you put a fuel filter in it? By the way, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it went the whole went yeah. the whole nine yards. Always always do a fuel filter when you uh, when you do a pump. We had a what year was that? Two thousand three Chevy Astro van yesterday that was towed in, and a, a little bit of a tough diagnosis because on an Astro van you can't get to the fuel pressure port. It's it's buried mm-hmm. under the console and it's in a it's in a real crummy spot. It's like GM never thought it was going to go bad, so they figured, you know, we'll, we'll just won't make it accessible. And the the way I diagnosed it as a bad fuel pump was it would start and stall, start and stall, and you could listen to the fuel pump, 
it, it sort of sounded like, you know, it was like gargling with gravel. It just didn't sound really good at all. So uh -huh. I took a bottle of propane with my little adapter that I made on the end, and I ran the truck on propane. I actually drove it around the parking lot on propane, so I knew mechanically and electronically everything else was there, except the fuel pump sounded terrible. So on a hunch, huh. rather than take apart the console that was frozen in, the screws were rusted, it wouldn't come apart, I said, you know what, let's, let's take a look at the pump, pull the pump down, and tested it on the bench, and the pump, the, the armature was all jammed up, and like it had failed internally, put a pump in it, and the truck's fixed. So you know what? It still comes back to basics, but I'm 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 really glad for you. I'm glad that it worked out. Now you can uh, yeah. drive it another hundred thousand miles. Uh, That's right. Um, but uh, good for you. Good for you, man. Well, um, yeah. Thank you again, Ron. You, I just hear I hear so many calls. You know that that, that you help people out and. It, you never hear back. It makes right. you wonder, did it work? Did right. it not work? Uh, well, and I want to know. Find, so. You know, I, I really want to know. Listen, I don't know if I talked about it know. on it. Walt, Walt from Hawaii with his Mitsubishi that he was calling about with the timing belt problem and the crank, the uh -huh. crank sensor fault. Remember yeah. that? He finally, yeah. He sent me a picture on a hunch. I had him send me a picture because I have to think of this in my mind. He's, in, my, in my head, I've got to get this right. He sent me a picture. And in the picture, you could see there's a a a a tone ring, or a you know where the where the crank sensor is triggered. There's a trigger plate attached to the back of the crank sprocket. The pins had sheared, and the sprocket every once in a while would line up so it would run, and then it would go out of sync and set fault codes and not run. And um, you know, I was able to get him on the right track and say, yeah, this is bad. Um, which, you know, we've got to do more of that. I have to have people send me more pictures of what it is they're working on because once I see it, it, it just helps me, um, uh, you know, pick it out. But um, in any event, Mick, I'm very glad it worked for you. Um, I appreciate you calling back and letting me know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a really important part of the puzzle because that's the only way we all learn. And I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you had the patience to go through with it. You made me proud, kiddo. You can be a mechanic. You can come work in the shop anytime. So um, let's leave it at that. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Coming up next, let's go over and talk to Kelly in Virginia. Kelly, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help? Yeah, I have a 1997 Eagle Vision, and when I get up to speeds of, say, 60 miles an hour, and I leave off on the gas, I feel a jerking in, in the, the vehicle, say, between 30 and 50 miles an hour. And, well, I took it to my mechanic, and he called it a surge. And anyway, he hooked it up to uh, scan tool and couldn't find no codes and took it out for a test drive. And he felt this surge or jerking also. And he said, well, it's nothing I can do until a code comes up. Okay. So. Yeah, and I actually, I, re I remember this, and I apologize for not getting back to you, Kelly. I kind of lose track of which email yeah. I'm working on and which phone call I'm working on. Um, it's not a problem. No, I, you know, I actually researched this a little bit because memory you know, I, I had memories of these cars. They're, they're, you know, it's only well, 22 years ago. Um, seems like yesterday. 
but it it came back to me that I saw some things that were common back in the day. One was, um, and this is a long shot, but I remember this is the this is how I got the Oreo cookies. All right, there's there's a story involved here. So we had an Eagle Vision, uh, the woman owned. She was the Nabisco. You know Nabisco Oreo cookies. She, right, yeah. she she was the Nabisco Oreo cookie test taster. She brought different cookies to market. Um, God's honest, true story. And she had an eagle vision, and it it was doing exactly what you're describing. And she brought it in, and and I looked at it. And if you look at the passenger side, this is the V6, right? This is the three five. Yeah. If memory serves me right, look at the yeah. passenger side wiring harness where it goes over the top of the front valve cover. Uh-huh. They, they have a nasty habit of the of the. There's a cam sensor right in the front. And the sharp edge of the valve cover kind of chases through the wiring harness, and it will cause an intermittent short and, and uh, open circuit right there, and it'll make the car lose its mind. It won't set a fault code, but it'll drive the car absolutely bananas. And uh-huh. and we actually, I, I actually found that, and as as a result, um, I mean, I can't think of her name now. Gosh, I think she retired, and she's been she's been out of the area for probably the better part of ten years. But um, every every time the Bisco came out with a new cookie the next two years, it was probably test-tasted through my shop because she would bring us these bags of cookies. What do you guys think of this flavor combination? What do you think <laughs> right. of that flavor combination? Uh-huh. Uh, we were we were the test marker for Nabisco cookies for a couple of years there. It was kind of bad for the waistline, but it was, it, was, it was kind of a fun thing to have happen. Short of it being that, where I also want to look is, um, I remember they had issues with the torque converter. All right, because it's funny that it happens right at sixty. It doesn't happen below fifty-five, fifty. Correct? It, it, uh, correct. Yeah, you have to get it up to sixty, and then as you back down, it's kind of a bucking and a jerking. Right. Right. Um, right. This trans is this the four-speed trans? If you look at the if you look at the faceplate, is it is it one two D and D with a circle? Yes. Right. Uh-huh. So, have you tried driving it in D? I drive it in D all the time. Well, not I don't mean I don't mean D with a circle. I just mean D. Oh no, no, it doesn't have just a D in it. Um. Oh, okay. So you have one, two. All right. And the D with a circle. Yeah. Okay. So so if if your choice is one, two, and D with a circle, so you have a, you have a three speed with overdrive. Right. All right. Um. The next time it happens, just hold your foot at sixty while the bucking's going on, and tap the brake pedal. Uh-huh. Enough to make the brake lights go on, right? And if if the problem goes away, what you're doing is you're disengaging the torque converter lockup from from happening, and it's the problem is going to be in the trans itself. It's it's a chatter issue created by a convert by the torque converter in the trans. Uh huh. All right. So we can look at that. That's number two. Number three. I, I know it's an early car. It's a '97. It still has OBD too. So it, it still has, there's still some diagnostics there. You know, if we wait for codes to show up, we've got to kind of think outside the box. If we wait for codes to show up, we wouldn't fix half the cars we have in the country right now. Uh, yeah. you know, and I respect your mechanic for saying, I get it. He's saying, hey, there's no code. Where do I go? Got to think a little outside the box. Um, ask him. I know it'll be hard to get on a 97, depending upon what scan tool he's got. But there is something called Mode 6. Now, in 97, it wasn't as predominant as it is on newer models, but it's a behind-the-scenes look at the actual logic, so to speak, of what the car is seeing in order to determine is there a fault. And if he's got the right scan tool, he can probably go look at Mode 6 and see what tests, if any, are failing. 
Okay. All right. Kind of an early peak. You know, it's it's sort of like you ever get a cold? Oh yes. All right. You, you know, you ever get a cold on Wednesday? You didn't you didn't feel good on Monday and Tuesday, right? Right. Your your body was sort of telling you, eh, something's coming. All right. And Wednesday you woke up and you had the sore throat and you were sneezing. Right. That was your mode six. Monday and Tuesday was your mode six test. Your 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 computer sat there and said, hey, you know, uh, I don't feel good. I'm not going to feel good. And Wednesday, sure enough, you didn't feel good. All right. right. So we can kind of go and look and wait to see the problem before it becomes a problem. The, the, the last thing I would suggest he go look at is ask him to take a look at fuel trim. All right. Um, you ever you ever take auto shop in high school? No. All right. You ever bake a cake? Oh yes. Okay. You ever you ever bake a cake and and you know that that dot on the recipe was wasn't a one it was a dot and you added too many eggs or, or too much milk or the batter right. was wrong and it was either lumpy or, or thinny or, or too you know just something about it the mixture wasn't right. Right. Well, cars are kind of like baking a cake. All right. You're combining air and fuel in the right proportion and if you do it right, it come, you come out with a great cake. Well, you can look at that air fuel mixture on a scan tool. It's called Fuel Trim. All right, and if we look at it on OBD2, so it's a standardized look, we don't have to worry about what Chrysler was thinking or, or Ford or GM. They all have to look and follow by the same rules under OBD2. If we look at OBD2 fuel trim, they should all be consistent within the realms of what we're expecting. All right, so for right. conversation's sake, there's long-term fuel trim, which is history, all right, and short-term fuel trim, which is right here, here, and now. If we go and look at both of them together, we shouldn't see excessive numbers. Now, for example, if a fault code sets at 25% short-term fuel trim, if this car is at 24, it'll drive all day long at 24 without setting a fault code. But if we don't go look at the fuel trim, 24 is excessive. All right? Uh -huh. You know, but if we have the attitude of, hey, I'm not going to go, I have to wait until I get a fault code, then I'm kind of waiting for something that's really staring me in the face. I'm 1% I'm 1 point away from having it happen, if you get what I'm saying. Right. All right. So, you know, fuel trim can tell us a lot. The other thing fuel trim can tell us is sometimes if we've got a misfire going on, if we've got a misfire going on, we'll see differences in oxygen content based on oxygen sensor activity and fuel trim. All right. And it All might right. determine which bank of the motor is acting up. Okay. So we want to go look at fuel trim. Let them go try those things. And if that doesn't work, give me a call back. Let me know what happens when you get to the point of the transmission itself. And um, I think that's where you're going to find the problem, that this has, got a, this has got a chattering torque converter. Unless, of course, it's the cam sensor wire, which if it is, let me know. I'll try and find her, and you can become the new Nabisco cookie test taster. Hey, all right. All right, brother? <laughs> okay. All right, you're very welcome. You take good care. Ron and Annie in the car, doctor, 855-560-9900. We are back right after this. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Hey, let's get on over and talk to Anastasia from Lowell. Lowell I think that's Lowell, Mass., right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, Anastasia, how are you? Hi. Hi. I was just putting the radio on when I heard you talking about turning the ignition off and what to do with acceleration, and I, I missed much of that conversation and the reason i'm calling is number one i absolutely would like to know what hap how to take care of that if it happens to me again it did happen to me i had and this is a real thing 
it is an absolute real thing. I had unintended acceleration on a Toyota, a 2015, which is scary because it's a late model. It most certainly did happen. Thank God no one was hurt. But it was a real thing. And, you know, what are the chances of it happening to me again? Who knows? Right. But I would love this is something that we all have to know. And I'd just like you to repeat, what do we do if it happens? Because I swear to God, it really, really does happen, because it happened to me. It's just awful. We, we actually did it at the shop. We, took a, we, we just took a car, and we created unintended acceleration. We just put our foot to the floor, and we put our foot on the brake, and the engine was able to overcome the braking system. So I said, well, that wouldn't work in that application, and I'm no engineer, and I'm just trying to be a you know, seat-of-the-pants mechanic. So the next thing we did was, while we were doing the unintended acceleration, and we didn't apply the brake as hard, so we were probably doing about 24 miles an hour, turned the car off. And at that point, I tried to stop the car just using whatever vacuum reserve was left in the power brake system, and it worked. The car was able to stop. So in other words, if this happens, just shut the ignition off. Well, and then the other thing we did was, you know, we tried it both ways. And then the other thing we did was we just took the engine and put it in neutral. Or took the trans and put it in neutral. And the engine over-revved. Now, this is a late model car, but if I'm not mistaken, it was a Toyota. It, it reached about four grand, which is the rev limit, and it just started to go into its rev limit. And it just sat there and rev, 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 rev. Then I pulled over to the side and turned the car off. But... Uh, you know, yeah, put it in neutral. Why not? I mean, listen, if the worst thing that happened in unintended acceleration is you put it in neutral and the engine blew up, you're not dead. So which is better, neutral or just shut it off, or does it both of them work? I, I think they both would work. I think it also depends on, you know, what's happening in that. Where are you? If well, I think if you're on the road, right. I would think neutral would be better because you can steer it at least right. toward the Correct. side of the road. Yep. Yeah, if you're you know if you're on the highway and there's an 18 wheeler bearing down on you, um, you know at least neutrally you have the ability to sort of get out of the way. Uh, and when you put it on neutral, should you should your foot be on any pedal? Well, your I would obviously your your foot's off the off the um, gas at that point if you've got to have conscience of mind right uh, to do it. And listen, I realize it's a lot easier to say. It's like being in combat, right? It's a lot easier to practice, but to actually go through it is, is a totally different experience. So if you're on the road, you put it in neutral and probably obviously a foot off the off the gas. Foot off the so gas, put, put put on the brake and just kind of steer off to the shoulder. So you 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 either when you're on the road, put it in neutral and to and put your foot on the brake and steer it and if you're not in any in any harm's way, just shut the ignition right. off. You know, I would go out to a um, if if you and I'm and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying if you have a fear of this, practice it. Go find a big empty parking lot on a Sunday afternoon when there's nobody around, and and create it. Put your foot on the put your foot on the gas. Put your foot on the brake. Create unintended acceleration, and uh, you know just go slow at first. Do 20 miles an hour. Put it in neutral. See what happens. Under so yeah, so in neutral or else shut off the ignition. Right. That's not what you and, do. And obviously, you don't want to go further than neutral. If you go one one click past neutral, you're going to be in reverse, and at 20 miles right. an hour, you could cause catastrophic end. Oh, trans I know, it's split thinking, thinking right. kind of thing. Right. And would you put would you put your would you put your foot on the brake if it was in neutral? You say though that's yeah, that's, I would sure. Yeah. yeah I well, would. this is the thing, and the thing I want to make clear is, thank God nobody was hurt. But when it, it never happened to me before. And, of course, I wasn't prepared, right. but it is scary as anything. And I want to say, for, for a Toyota, which is 2015, 
to do this. They better get their act together. I won't drive a Toyota now after that. I just simply will not. Now, and I'm wondering, you know, and did you have the floor mat recall done to the vehicle? I don't even know if it applied to the 15s. Um, I don't know. Okay. Because I, I don't know. I I, I, I got a lawyer, but, but uh, you know, I straightened that all out. Right. But uh, at first, nobody believed me, you know? You know, the, the, the cop who found me didn't believe me. The, you know, they didn't believe me. No, but, but it, absolutely, you know, I had to get a lawyer. But nobody was hurt. That's, right. that's the good thing. And that's the important thing. But I just thing. Want, to, want people to know it really happens yeah. and what to, know, what to do when it happens. And they better straighten their act out. And this is a late model 2015. It yeah. shouldn't still be happening. I'd be curious to see what the outcome is. Will you call me back in a year and tell me what the transition was? What the transition? Well, in other words, what what actually happens? What transpires here? Oh, um, as, as oh, the, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I okay. Guess you can, yeah. If if they do anything for you, would you let us know? Oh yeah, no, that's over. That's oh. just dropped. I didn't even. I didn't pursue it for any money. I probably could have gotten money, but I yeah. did not. I was just just wanted the whole thing to be over right. with. It was so scary. Yeah. Okay. All right, Anastasia, I got to go. I'm up against the clock. Um, but thank you for the call, and uh, good luck, Heavy. Safe driving. <laughs> okay, and uh, I appreciate the call. 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the of the car. Let's go over and talk to Bo in Wisconsin. Hey, Bo, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, Ron? Good. Um, it's cooking. Just a kind of torn in between replacing an engine or actually repairing it. Um, okay. I talked to my wife this morning, and she gave me the okay to buy a junkyard one. All right. But, uh, yeah, I had bought it off a customer, and she ran it way too long, way too hot. It's got a warp head, uh, you know, compression leak into the uh, coolant, into the cylinder. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, how many miles were on it? Uh, what was around there, hon? 100 and... Call it two hundred. Yeah, you know, the problem is at two hundred thousand miles, un unless you were the guy maintaining it, you, you you don't know the history, so it becomes a pig in a poke. Right. You know. Uh, See, and that's the thing. That's the thing. The lady gave me a two-inch stack of papers that her parents gave her. I have every repair record. Right. You know, on the damn thing. I went through them this morning, but I'm almost leaning towards just getting. Getting that nine hundred and fifty dollar one. That's I think it's got like one hundred and twenty turns on it. Yeah, and you know, I guess I guess the concern becomes: listen, you could take it apart. You could pull well, unless you do have the head off. If you have the head off, even if the cylinder no. walls look good, but let's just say you took the head off and the and the cylinder walls look good. There's no scoring. Um, you know, there's there's you know the walls look nice, but how do you, how do you know you know oil consumption? How do you know what the rings look like? What's stuck? What isn't? Um, you know, it, it becomes, it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. If the head is warped, for it to get that hot and warp the head, what else did it hurt? You know, and that's, and that's what you don't know. About four years ago, we had a customer throw a timing belt on an 06 Highlander, blew the belt, overheated the motor. She got lucky, put a belt and a water pump in it, the car drove out of there. But it didn't run hot long because it stopped right away. If this thing got hot enough to warp the head, what else did it damage? What else got hot? Yeah, I'd go for the junkyard motor. I think that's the safe move. Thanks, Bo. I appreciate it. I'm running in the car doctor, reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.